there is a there is a fact of God moving in uh, certain situations, especially when it comes time for the body of Christ, the church, to gather. There are times when God is doing something that is different from what we might have scheduled or might be expecting as the next thing. I coined a phrase 100 years ago when I recognized this phenomenon, and this is not a very good term, but it sort of works. I called it the prophetic flow. There is a, there is a call. The Holy Spirit spoke a minute ago, and by the way, if you're unfamiliar with someone speaking out in the congregation in words you don't understand, and then it's followed by uh, someone speaking that sounds like it might be a message from God, uh, those two things are two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're listed numbers of places in the New Testament. A concise listing is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Both of those happen to be listed in verse 10. That's gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And sometimes in the prophetic flow, there is a prophetic message or a tongue and interpretation as today. Uh, other times there's not. It, it, the Lord just does it differently. But he is here today to show you something. To show you himself, to show you his healing, uh, taking you up a level. He is here today also to show you what's going on. We're at number seven in a series of sermons. That's a long series, isn't it? Um, but it's, it's a very important series because of this church and where we are today in our culture. So let me just go into that because I was going to say all this in the sermon. And as I look around at what's going on in our culture, we have the wheels falling off. That's the, that's the phrase from the Latin, okay? That's, that's the technical stuff. I mean, the wheels are falling off. Nothing is working like it's supposed to. The hope that we have in... Uh, uh, mankind and if you're a socialist you know that there is good in everyone and if we can just get rid of all of this class stuff we'll just rise up now they tried that for 70 years in Russia last century and it wasn't true then and you will find that it's not true now but you still have hope the rest of us know that our hearts are exceedingly righteous no wicked you just give us the cover of darkness and a little personal agenda and we are capable of really, truly corrupt stuff. The important thing that we need to remember that our hope is not in this world. If your hope is in the principles of socialism where we're finally going to get rid of all of the rich nations and poor nations everybody's going to be equal no classes uh it'll be just like it was in russia last year everybody was on the same level except the executives in the government and they while the rest of the nation uh, if they had a car at all rode around in really inferior automobiles 
they were in fine limousines with the curtains and all the stuff. And that's, that's how corrupt our hearts are. Give us power, whether it's sudden money or sudden control, and we will corrupt immediately. And if you've never studied that, just do a historical study. Now, in the face of this, God is already beginning to release a revival. We're on the front edge of it. I, we could say revival's coming, but that's a little after the fact. Revival has already started nudging us. So it's here, and it's going to break loose in ways that are really dramatic. I want, I want you to hear something from me. We have had a couple of staff guys resign the last quarter. And, and uh, the Lord sent us uh, Melissa and Soli and Maya and their sponsor. And we are glad to have them. And then as we have started to interview these fine young, uh, so far it's been all males, fine young men from across the country for the youth, youth pastor thing. And, and we have some right now that we're talking to and they're just marvelous. The Lord has not pulled the trigger on, on anyone yet. But as we seek these things, there is this overarching, wonderful, blessed confidence that I have that what you see now is not what you're going to get because God is breaking stuff loose. Numbers are going to increase. The power of the Holy Spirit's going to increase. The power of the unity of the body. And let me speak to this unity thing for one minute. I'm going to do a series on that so you'll get, but I'll just steal part of the thunder this morning. If you have in your heart this, this agenda that you have to get done and, and it's, it, it, you've got to get it past your parents or you've got to get it past your uh, Sunday school teacher or past the, one of the pastors. Um, you, you just got to get this fixed. You're in the flesh. Stop it. Get in the spirit. Did you understand what I said? I can repeat that. These personal agendas are the flesh. But it's God's will. Then let's see if God can do his thing. Boy, I don't know how to be clearer, but I'll work on it. As, as the Holy Spirit, uh, let me just read the text that we've used all this time. Because I want to get into some stuff that, that God is saying for this morning. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you? Who do you say I am? And that's the ultimate question. And if you don't come up with the right answer, you see, the right answer is not, Well, we've got to have XYZ for our youth pastor. We've got to have ABC for our worship style. We've got to do this or that. You better get over it 
and get yourself under the Lord because he is calling a people that are going to turn thousands to Jesus Christ. They are going to be delivered from the bondages of rotten relationships in their homes, in their jobs, in their extended families. They are going to be delivered from chemical addictions. They are going to be, have their feet set on solid ground. And they are going to grow in the Lord faster than we will think is fair. Say, well, Lord, it took me 10 years to get that. And they got it in 10 weeks. Hallelujah. Was it fun waiting 10 years? I guess you love your... I don't know. Anyway. So here we got to go. The answer to this question, who do you say I am, is absolutely pivotal in this whole thing. If you give the right answer, you can be used. Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, King of Israel... Lion of the tribe of Judah, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, whatever you want here, but he is also the one who is our example. And though being God and did not have any uh, stress on him when he acknowledged that he was God and is God, he emptied himself of all those prerogatives, became nothing, a human first. And then a slave, then took in my sins and yours, and was crucified, and that's as low as it gets. Therefore, God has exalted him. Now, we want the exaltation. Sign me up for that. But if you're going to be exalted, you're going to have to humble yourself. If you want a resurrection, guess what a resurrection presupposes? Go die. Go die. Just croak. You know? Just go away from the land of the living. That's what a resurrection requires. That's a prerequisite. And if you're not willing to die, you can't be used in this resurrection stuff that God is doing. Now, You can cooperate with God and try to humble yourself. He will also bring along stuff that will kill you. (laughs) And it's such a blessing. Only it really is because out of that then we can truly live. You say, I went through an experience and it was really painful and I was embarrassed. And it's just, I, I, I know the feeling. I've done that fairly regularly. I think if we could stay dead better, we wouldn't have to die as much. But if you're like I, just when it comes, just say, get out of this whatever you can, Lord. You know, just. And uh, if your faith is high, you can say, Lord, if I need a little of this, maybe I need a lot. Pour it on. Now, if your faith's not high, you certainly won't pray that. Sometimes I pray that, sometimes I don't. But the Holy Spirit is bringing us to this position that we can know who Jesus Christ is, not in a head way, but we will identify with him in his pouring out his life. That is so exciting. If we identify with Jesus who emptied himself. Now, let me tell you. (coughs) I need to say this in passing. 
We are not about come to Jesus and add Jesus to your life. You, if, you are, if you are a musician, toot your horn for Jesus. Jesus does not need your horn. Uh, if you, you know, athletes, playing ball for Jesus. Huh? Jesus is saying, say what? You say it, it, that's not good? It's the order, folks. It's the order. Jesus can use musicians if they die. He can use athletes if they die. But do not come to Jesus so life will be easier. Come to Jesus, there's two or three reasons. First one, Jesus calls you. Second is you're going to go to hell if you don't. That's a good reason. I understand that one. That's about my intellectual level. Another one is you've never, ever had meaning like you will have if you will lay your life down and just take all your stuff and put it aside and live for God. There is nothing like that. That is as good as it gets in this earth when it's not working well, you can know that it's up to God to make it work well. And when it is working well, it's not something you're putting together. You are getting to participate in and cooperate with Almighty God in doing stuff that only He can do. And you get to have a piece of the action. It is wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, part of the Part of the need in getting there is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so let's just do this. Number one, as we have decided that Jesus is the Son of God, the one that we follow, the only Savior of the world, the only center of life, the only thing worth living for, dying for, working for, in the book of Acts, Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance is the initial outward sign accompanying the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We read Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts the 10th chapter. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Acts the 19th chapter. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Which is to say, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Don't let that put you off. If that's a real strain to you intellectually, uh, join the club. There are a lot of things that if you have to know and have intellectual grasp from a worldly, logical point of view, you're going to struggle from time to time in the kingdom of God. God can still save intellectuals. You do not impress him. You may think that he's as dumb as some of us who speak for him. No, he's not. He's above you so high that there's not any way to understand it. And so if that's a struggle, try to deal with it with humility before God and know that there will be other struggles. And uh, people, the other day, one of our teens 
made an appointment, came in, and so we just started talking about stuff like the Trinity. Now, you explain the Trinity to me, okay? Or eternity. Let's talk about something easy, something with no end. We don't do that. These brains do not do something with no beginning and no end. Everything, in our understanding, is cause and effect. There's, there's open-ended, open, open on the front end. That, that there's no such thing in our, our little brains. And uh, if you can understand that, I probably think you're lying. But if you can understand it, there's no need to try to show me because I don't have what it takes to grasp it. Because I've tried and tried and tried. And it's just that the Holy Spirit comes to do in stuff, whether we're bright or not so bright whether we're rich or not so rich, pretty or not so pretty, you name it, old or not so old. What, what else, you know? Male, female. We're not supposed to have slavery in this country, but slave, free man, whatever. God comes to just take us where we are and carry us forward to do his work. It's a cool deal. It is powerful. And... The baptism in the Holy Spirit will bring the personal boldness and power of the Spirit into your life in order to accomplish mighty works in Christ's name and make the personal witness and proclamation of your own life effective. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then there is this deal and the term refilling in the Holy Spirit is, really does not occur in Scripture. I have a buddy who is a pastor, and he doesn't like that term. It's just not, it's not theologically sound. And I know that, and I agree. But the fact is, there are, there are many fillings after this baptism. And we read about one in Acts, the fourth chapter. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken... And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So this is what we need. And so whether you want to call it refilling or another filling or a fresh filling or just a blessing, I don't care what you call it, get it and do the work of God with the confidence of the Holy Spirit. Number three, the most compelling reason to get serious about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is because Jesus said to do so. On one occasion, I love this in Acts, the first chapter. Here's Jesus hanging out. He was eating with them. And he gave them this command. Right in the middle of the meal, it was just like Jesus just drew his sidearm and says, right between the horns. I mean, he was up close and he nailed them with this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Now, the reason he told them to stay there is because they were not from there. They were from about 80, 90 miles north of there. And he says, do not leave town. Stay right here. Stay until you get this. So that is the pressure. So now how do we open ourselves up to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we do this? I love Luke 11. Beginning with verse 11, which reads, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, those people were not socialists. They were not all good. They were evil. Where did that come from? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's look at this. You go to the Father and say, Father, would you please baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Ask. Secondly, believe. Now, there is a teaching that started about 100 years ago when the Pentecostal thing began to uh, gain some traction in uh, North America. My maternal grandfather pastored... He was, a, he was a Salvation Army officer, and he was pastoring a Nazarene church, Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, he, began, he began to be concerned about the, the coldness in the congregation, and he started seeking God and searching the Scripture for what, what might warm them up. And he became convinced in that study that the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues was for today and that changed his life and I was reading the history of this yesterday um, and it, it was it was an amazing experience and uh, out of that started First Assembly of God Church ultimately um, in Wichita Falls Texas but out of that resistance to guys like my granddad came a teaching that tongues are of the devil. They're just of the devil. Now, there's not one line in Scripture that says that, but you got to do something. When, when your people are speaking in tongues and you're not, and you're the spiritual one, and you don't want them doing that, it's the devil. Makes sense to me. And so that, that got on the books of certain churches, denominations, wrote that as doctrine. I remember one of them had their international convention after we came to Kansas City. And um, this question came up because a lot of their people were speaking in tongues. The charismatic movement had, had not been impressed by the doctrinal statement of this particular church. And so a lot of these members, um, including some of their um, eggheads, were baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And so they brought that to their convention floor to see if they could get that off the books, and they failed to get it off. Still there. Interesting. Tongues are the devil. Now, you go to the Scripture, you're not going to find anything. You're, you're welcome to search, but there are better things to search for, and it will be less frustrating to search for certain things because you're not going to find that. And so let me show you this. When you believe this, you are safe doing so because this whole passage says, you evil people, when your kid asks for food, do not give them something bad or even just negative. Not, not bad, bad, but just a rock. If that's the way you are, as bad as you are, how much more <clears throat> will your father give the holy Spirit 
to the ones who ask. So when you are asking for the Holy Spirit, you are never safer than at that, than at that moment from demonic stuff because there's only one spirit you can get. Did you follow that? It's just that simple. And God is about safety. Now, he wants us to trust him when we're afraid on the one hand. On the other hand, if you just focus on him, there will be a lot of comfort, a lot of healing, a lot of this where God just gets you up on his lap and loves you. You are safe. When you ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can't get a bad thing because the Father is going to give you the Holy Spirit, according to the Word. Then, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have to do something that's tough for some of us, and that's give up control of our tongue and say things we don't know what they mean that we never said before. Tongues. The Holy Spirit giving the utterance. And I think that it's at least as scary at what, as what Peter experienced. The night in the storm when Jesus comes strolling out into the middle of the lake on top of the water walking. And they freaked out when they saw him and he called to them. And says, don't be afraid, it's I. And Peter was a tongues talker eventually. And so he said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. So he said, come on. Now, I want you to think with me how long a step it was for Peter when he sat down on the edge of the boat and swung his legs over the side and started to straighten his body and slip off into or onto or some kind of preposition the water how long a step that had to be whoa and that's about what you're going to face When you never have spoken in tongues before and you decide to go ahead and make those sounds that's beginning to come into your mind, your ear, your, your tongue, wherever it comes, comes differently for everyone. Now, why are you making it such a big deal? Because the enemy has made a big deal out of it. Tongues are extremely valuable after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about the gift of tongues, which was used this morning to bring a prophetic message to us. I'm talking about the tongues that we pray in, and it's only for prayer. We have coined the phrase prayer language because it's not for anyone else's ears. If you hear somebody speaking in tongues and it's not being interpreted, they either need to interpret or you need to say they are just praying and I'm overhearing their prayer. Did you follow that? Because tongues are for God's ears. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who knows the will of God, uses our speech apparatus to speak the will of God, the perfect will of God, to the Father 
And that's what you're doing when you're praying in tongues. That's just one of a number of important functions of the tongue that, is, that accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit that is not the gift of tongues, which must always be interpreted. So let's do it this way. Peter slips off the boat and walks on the water. Now, I, I know that the storm probably was still going, and so when he lost faith looking at the storm and started to sink, now he could swim. We, we know that. He, he, in the first place, it would be implied because he was, he was a commercial fisherman. But secondly, uh, later in Scripture, we have a picture where the Scripture says he was swimming. So we know he knew how to swim unless he learned between then and then, which I doubt. But, you see, when we speak in tongues, there are, there are things that come against us. We get shook up. We get all freaked out. And we'll stop. Just go back to the Lord. It's safe. It is safe. The Spirit is not going to cause you to say something crazy. Um, there are all kinds of testimonies. I read about one last night as I was reading that history. Uh, in, the, in the meeting, there were a couple of guys who were Hispanic that came into the meeting. And one of the gringos... I don't know what they called them back then. Uh, 50 years ago, out west, they called them um, Anglos. That's the word. But whatever they called them then, uh, this, this Anglo was speaking in tongues. And these Hispanics came up to him after the service and wanted to know where he's from because he's speaking English. I mean, speaking Spanish. He said, I don't speak Spanish. I don't go any Spanish. And the Holy Spirit had just been ministering to them through this. Now, that doesn't happen every day, but it happens. It's happened several times in this congregation since I have been uh, the pastor. And we need to do what God is calling us to do. In a few minutes, I'm going to call. I'm going to call for those of you who need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when you come, I want you to have already covered a couple of bases. One of them. Uh, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ as, as your Savior and as the center of your life, you're not a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, we would say you need to get saved. Just give your life to God. Say, Lord, I've, I'm a sinner. Cleanse me. Forgive me. And uh, take care of that before you get here so that, so that if I say, is there any sin in your life? You say, not if the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. There's not any. That, that, that's a good answer, Right? Cover that base. Second base, I like to ask this. Are you willing to just do God's will? If you can figure out what God's will is, are you willing to just do it? And if you've got this agenda that you're just not willing to, you're just not willing to turn loose of some of this stuff. This is important stuff to you. And it might be God's will. It might not be, but it's not optional because it, you're not going to change your mind whether it's God's will or not. Don't tell God, I want, to, I want your gift when you are saying, you don't have me. Just make this exchange. You give him your life as best you understand it. 
knowing there will be more things as you see more about God and more about yourself that you're going to need to give to God. You just keep, we do this the rest of our life. But if you're saying no to God on something, work that out and then come and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Follow that. Then when we pray for you, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then you're going to have to get out of the boat. Now, let me, let me say one thing as a part of this, because I'm also going to ask for a, a prayer before we have you come to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We used to say, the King James uh, of Acts 1-4, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Ye means plural you. means you all. You all tarry. Okay, so we had these tarrying meetings until you're being dude with power from on high, uh, the King James. And uh, so we, we would wait on God. We would say, I'm going to go be, I'm going to go tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are old enough to remember that. Anybody remember that? Boy, you're old, man. Um, so that really wasn't biblical because they had to tarry until the day of Pentecost. And then after that, the question, if you study the book of Acts and uh, some of the other uh, New Testament writings, you will find the question was, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And if, if they had not, they just lay hands on them. They're baptized in the Spirit. Uh, they wouldn't, when these, uh, we read about it in the 10th chapter of Acts about uh, when the first Gentiles were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they didn't have hands laid on them because those Jews, it was a big deal for them to just be inside the door and they were going to touch these people. So God had to just lay his hands on them, but it didn't strain him. So that's, that's the plan. However, let me make this point. There was value, since we were not doing it according to the Scripture, the Holy Spirit just used our tarrying meetings to deal with, with junk in us. And I, I, I want to stay in the Scripture. I want to do it the way the Scripture says so the Holy Spirit will take care of the junk later. You say, I thought you had to be pure. Well, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're pure, but you've still got problems that you're going to have to deal with, and that's the whole wonderful study that's called sanctification. But uh, here's the deal. If God is... He gets an opportunity to work on you. He will just do it. And if you don't give it to him this time, if he loves you, he will set up circumstances where he gets to do it over here. Did you follow that? Because if he doesn't love you, he will let you go on in your blockheadedness, which eventually can take you out and send you to hell. And so, if he loves us, he's going to mess with us. And he loves us. God so loved the world, and so forth. Now, what I want to do, before we pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, is I want to pray for our youth. We have a team of uh, young adults that we pull together to try to make sure that our sponsors and the, and the um, teens that were already in position doing ministry in the youth were supported and all the stuff that they needed was coming to them and to plan schedules. 
uh, such as who would be speaking and so forth. So we pulled together this team of people, and they're, they're just precious. They are just top drawer. And then we've got the people who have been working in the youth, both the teens who, who do special things uh, from week to week or occasionally. And they, so, some of them are once a month thing. And the, the adults are that just put their arms around them and, and make it wonderful. And I, we have these kind of people. And then we have these people that it's all about, the teens. And I want to pray for them first. Now, we had a powerful time of prayer up here a minute ago, or a few minutes ago. But the, the focus that I want now is I want this congregation to, to zero in on loving in prayer these people. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to call them to come. Uh, those of you in, on the team, the, the, the committee, those of you that are sponsors and workers... In, in the youth uh, and the teen leaders, such as worship leaders and all of the people who, who have those kind of responsibilities, would you just stand up and come first? Then I'm going to have the teens come behind you. But I, I want this bunch first. In the first place, I want you to see them. I want you to know for whom you're praying. Uh, these people are just priceless. And uh, they're the ones that are still at home, their parents say, boy, are they priceless. That means not worth anything. But no, that's not true. That's not true. And uh, we got all the sponsors. We, we've got some of the greatest sponsors that I've ever seen. People that are just, mm, love kids, love your kids. Can you imagine? Okay. Now, teens, would you guys just get up and come and stand in front of them and face them? And we're going to all pray. I'm going to have the teens pray for this bunch. And this bunch pray for the teens. And I want all of you that don't come to pray for both bunches. We good with that? Hallelujah. You don't know what God intends to do. You don't know what God intends to do. You can't imagine the lives that are, that are going to be changed coming out of some of the crummiest uh, places. I don't want to even call them homes. Domicile of some kind, place, living place. To people who come out of, of a place where they're, they're well-loved and maybe the home is, is almost a palace and everything in between, God is going to give them to us. He is going to give them to us, and it's going to require us to be holiness. Just cut out the edgy stuff. You say, oh, I, have to be, I have to be edgy to be cool. Well, get over the cool then. God does not have you in this group to be cool. He has you to do a job. This is going to cost you. It's not, it's not cheap. Look what it cost Jesus. I'm asking you to get in line to take up your cross and go to Golgotha. That's, that's the call. And so you get, you, you'll have splinters in your shoulder, okay? 
going to have splinters in your shoulder. But when you, when you raise your eyes up and look and see what God is doing, you'll just burst into tears of joy or laugh out loud or whatever you do when you're happier than ever before. You up for that? Because that's what God has for us. Would you stand with me, please? And I want us to just begin to pray. Oh, God, I bring to you these with their backs to me that you have called and you are moving them forward and I bless them.